Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by InsureMyCars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at InsureMyCars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sport Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Curry. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Now I'm delighted to say after last week when I couldn't hear him, I should be able to hear the one and only Ken Darling. Good morning, Ken. Are you there? I'm here, Ah, your voice, your lovely voice, Ken. It's great to hear you. Last week I couldn't hear a word you were saying to me, although I... Plug those headphones in. <laughs> yeah, plug them in. That's yeah. Uh, like your ears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... um. I tell you, it's been a busy weekend, there's no question about it, in the yeah. world of snooker in particular. I, I have to say, right, I was thinking about this during the week, between Ronnie's documentary, um, yeah. the World Championships, the shootouts, the Masters, I don't think I, I can remember a time when snooker was more uh, prominent and, and out there again as a sport. It's absolutely brilliant to see where it's at. I mean, there's great TV coverage. You, you're on every week almost, it seems, at this stage. You're a sport giving it some coverage as well. It really yeah. is uh, flying at the moment, snooker, isn't it? Yeah, without, without, Absolutely. I mean, and and the interviews, you just don't know where. Funnily enough, I I I bumped into Robbie, uh, Sean Murphy's manager last night at a a rugby match um, that we were at his kids playing uh, with my lad. And uh, we were just talking about the scene and how great things are at the moment. But obviously it came up about Ronnie and it just, it's it's just so hard to know what's going on at the moment. I mean, he just seems... 
so disenchanted with the game, almost angry. I mean, this bitterness between himself and Ali Carter. Now, Ali Carter is a character who's um, fairly feisty himself. You know, he doesn't yeah, yeah. he doesn't hold back. So there's no. a pair pair of them in it. But um, with Ronnie, I mean, like you said, he's in a semi final and he's doing interviews afterwards talking about how badly he's playing and <laughs> yeah, the worst yeah, thing yeah. is I'm winning matches playing crap. Basically, is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. I know, and I mean, it's quite bizarre. His interviews are quite bizarre and, and quite sad in a way because he says he's not, like, enjoying himself. Now, you know, I, I don't know whether to take him serious or it's tongue in cheek or it's just his mental health problem. You just don't know with him. You don't know what you're going to get with him. And even though I think he's playing unbelievable snooker, Stephen Henry thinks he's playing unbelievable snooker, and all the pundits think he's playing unbelievable snooker. Uh, he's not enjoying himself playing, uh, or so he says. But yeah. I tell you what, you know, when he's on that table, uh, even though you say he, he says I prefer to play well and lose than you know play badly and win, he's still a competitive animal when he's on the table, and he showed that last week in the final. He just did not want to lose that final. He did not want to lose Ali Carter. He he doesn't like losing, and even though whatever he says in his interviews, he's still the best player in the world he's still playing the best snooker and he's still a competitive animal when he gets on that table the the one question lots of people often say Mm. and wonder about him is how the other players feel towards his attitude and also you know I don't like it I don't think they like it I really don't because uh, it sort of puts them in in sort of a bad light because he thinks he's playing crap and he's still winning and, and he's still winning and yeah. he's still beating him and he's winning everything you know he's won the UK he won Shanghai and he's won the Masters he's in the semi-final here he possibly you know should get to the final and play Trump in the final now Trump should really have a good go with him on Sunday if he gets there mm. things and we stands in his way on the way there but things and we's record against O'Sullivan is dreadful Uh yeah, and I don't. I think it really sort of irritates a lot of the other players. And you sort of say to yourself, uh, "Well, it's it's up to the other players to step up and and try and knock him off his pedestal and sort of keep him quiet." But at the moment, it's like all of Sullivan. He's dominating the game. He's playing unbelievable snooker. Yeah. I mean, I, I love watching him play. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, everybody does. That's yeah, the point. I don't, I don't care for a lot of the stuff that he says in in the uh, yeah. press conferences afterwards. And I think, really, if he doesn't like the game, then, like, if he wins the World Championship this year, he'll have eight championships. It'll be more than Stephen Hendry. He'll have eight, eight, and eight, you know, Masters yeah. UK. Yeah. Just just retire, mm. you know, and, and, like, enjoy your life. Yeah. And play your exhibitions in China, whatever you want to do. But don't keep coming back and say, I can win, and I'm playing crap, and... Yeah, disrespecting. Keep winning anyway. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I I hear you. I I often wonder why, uh, you know, in rugby, in soccer, in GAA, in all sports, there's video analysis done on your opposition. And you know, if you were to look at Ronnie and go back over time and analyze his his matches, you can see the things that get to him. You can see the way, like, if a player slows the game down completely, afterwards he goes off and one in 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 the in the press. Like, if I was playing against Ronnie, I would be using every tactic off the table to try and slow it down, get in his yeah, head, yeah, yeah. mess him up. I, I do often wonder why other pros don't turn around and do something similar just to try and mess up his game because when he's on it, he's unbeatable. Yeah. I think people, I think some of them try to, yeah. but they, they just can't stop him. You know, okay. when, he gets, 
when he gets in amongst the balls, he's just so devastating. Mm. His cue ball and the way he developed the breaks, I mean, he's the greatest break builder we've ever seen. He has almost 1,400 career centuries, you know, 16 maximums. You know, he has all the records, right? It's mm. just like, uh, but you would think, like, as an ambassador of the sport, that when he come off the table, he'd be happy winning and he'd project, like, a positive attitude towards himself and the game, but he's so sort of, sort of messed up in a, in a lots of ways, you know, mentally, you know, because mm-hmm. he suffers from mental illness and and he just cannot seem to enjoy the way. Even if he gives great enjoyment to people who are come up to turn up to watch him, even as us as pundits, we love watching him. He gives us great joy watching him and entertainment. But it's almost like he can't enjoy that himself, you know, which is which is very very sad in a way. I tell you, Ken, I listened to an amazing podcast during the week. I don't know if you ever listened to the Diary of a CEO. Um, it, it's phenomenal, but it was with Thierry Henry. Uh, it was almost yeah. two hours long, and I was glued to it for the two hours. And the whole thing was about the fact that at the time, Thierry, he couldn't enjoy everything. Like He's got statues outside yeah. Arsenal. He's got World Cups. He's got everything that you could possibly want. But he could never enjoy the moment or enjoy the sport and being great. And I feel that way. Ronnie came to my mind in the same way, you know, that it must be terrible not to be able to uh, enjoy your achievements and be in the moment and just appreciate yourself for what you've achieved. Exactly. But just enjoy enjoy the challenge, you know, enjoy the sport for what it is. And, you know, you know, when you take up any sport, you just, as a kid, you know, mm. you just cannot wait to, to play that sport, whether it be snooker or rugby or football, whatever it might be. That you just like uh, you just cannot wait to like for me as a kid I couldn't wait to get on the table, I'm sure as you you couldn't wait to get a rugby ball yeah. and get out the field. Yeah. You know, you just enjoy every moment of it, you know, but for him and even though he's still at the top of the sport after forty years, you know, since he first turned professional He's still the youngest and the oldest and all these great events, the winner. Mm. And uh, he doesn't seem to be able to enjoy it, you know, which is... Uh, Give himself know, a pat on the back, yeah. When you think about it. Yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. But he's still the best player that the game has ever seen and the greatest entertainer. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what his future holds. You know, maybe he needs a good bit of time off just mm. to reflect on things. He took a year out once yeah. during the season never played from one World Championship to the next mm. and he came back and won the World Championship yeah. again. So maybe he could just uh, take a year off and do something what everyone else that we want to do and it might be good ter- therapy for him. You know, I don't know. But uh, at well, the moment, he's still playing. Yeah. You know, and uh, he's still playing a lot of exhibitions. He still loves out to China. And for everything he says about the game, that he doesn't get any enjoyment. He's still playing quite a lot of snooker and yeah. he's still, as I said, a competitive animal once he gets on that great nose. Absolutely. Well, you're our competitive animal. You're still going anyway. And you've got Sam <laughs> Craigie in the World Open uh, on Tuesday. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I'm playing Sam Craigie on Tuesday and then I'm playing Blake Fieldworth in the Welsh on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at it. I mean, I, I love it. Even though I know weird, I, I don't... I can't wait like I played like I used to all those years ago, but I still love it. You know, yeah. I, I love playing. I love watching it. I love I love doing the punditry. You know, I get up and I can't wait to get down and watch or commentate 
you know, I love the game. I love it to bits. It's given me a great life, and I still love playing, and I will continue. And even when I give up, I'll probably still go and practice and still get yeah. balls. I play exhibitions. You know what I mean? So uh, the world open on Tuesday. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna. I don't know what. I don't know what's gonna happen. Red right? well, anyway. You go out, give it your best. I give my best. Exactly. I'll, I'll, but I, when I lose, I'll still have a smile on my face. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Well, I've just stopped doing cartwheels this morning. I've been doing it since <laughs> last week, Rich. Well, I have to say, I have to say, you know, you were on here last week being very modest and uh, talking it down and saying, look, yeah. if we have a bit of a game, we have a chance. Unbelievable scoreline and absolutely trounced, um, you know, the, the the game and got all the results. Like, I think, what was it, 40-something points in the end? Unbelievable. Yeah. 48-32, and you know what, Reg? That actually flatters the Dallas Cowboys. I've never seen the likes of it. Let's re- let's recap, if we will, because I'm basking in the glory here. It's a, it's a bad day down where I'm at, but it feels sunny where I'm at. Look, Dallas, they hadn't lost a game all season at home, Reg. They've averaged 37 points at home, and their receiver was over 1,700 yards, and Dak Prescott was seen as the best thing since sliced bread, and he was the MVP candidate. You know, and... We, I talk a lot about, you know, they hadn't lost a, a game at home all season, but they hadn't lost a game at home for 16 consecutive games. The last one they lost, it was Tom Brady, right? Remember mm, him? Remember I that do. old man, Tom Brady? But look, the Packers come into AT&T. Um, it was all up against them. And that's why, look, I was very modest, as you said, Reg, last week, right? That's gone out the window now. I'm obnoxious. Uh, I'm insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> and my allowed. prediction is going to be way off. But look, it's fantastic to see. Look, the, the Packers are playing on house money. Mm. At the moment, you know, look, the, and and when you look at that score, as you said, like forty-eight thirty-two, that flatters the Cowboys because the Packers, in fact, pulled their starters uh, during that game. Now they did it too early and allowed Dallas to come back a little bit. So yeah. typical Packers style, we call it the heart attack pack, right? Where they always leave it and then all of a sudden they let the team come back into it. But look, Jordan Love, quarterback for the Packers, highest graded quarterback last week, and in fact. We had the uh, we as if I played. Come on, give me a break. Yeah. Uh, we had the highest graded quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive tackle, and we're the only seven seeds to advance. Um, now look, it's a very small sample size because of only sort of this is like super wild card weekend. Mm. But look, we're the youngest team since 1974 to do it. And as you say, Reg, it wasn't just a win against all odds. It was an absolute pantsing that yeah. they gave the Cowboys, um, who were seen as tipped as favourites and all this. Now, there's a lot of focus on, oh, sure, that's what the Cowboys do. You know, they choke and they bottle it. But really, that can't distract away from the fact that this Packers team is probably the most exciting Packers team that we've seen for, even when Aaron Rodgers was there. You know, they're yeah. that good, Reg. Uh, interesting. Well, I mean, I, I was following the scoreline in real time and couldn't believe it. I mean, they were 14-0 up and I was going, geez, there's a turn up for the books and it just kept <laughs> getting better and better and better. So yeah, I was right. delighted for you. Uh, in the other games, uh, there was also a trouncing for the Browns by uh, the Houston Texans, which was also an upset. Yeah, now look, I, I shouldn't have done it right. Sometimes I look at the stats and when I'm doing up my act and I'm delving in, I'm, I'm going to the lab, Reg, right? And this was one that I said, look, the Browns should have won this last week uh, because everything was going for them. You know, their young quarterback, similar to the quarterback for the Packers, CJ Stroud, is really exciting. He's naive, he's green. He throws passes sometimes that he shouldn't, but it works out, you know. And that your luck can run out, let's say. But when you look at the Browns, I mean, they were the best on man coverage, which is where CJ Stroud, that, that was his, if he had a weak point, that was it. 
you know, and the Browns had beat the Texans, even though they were without C.J. Stroud before. They had one of the best defenses in the league. So stacked up against the Texans. So similar to the Packers game, Reg, they won 45-14, mm. which is just incredible. So when I'm looking at the Ake again this week, I've been able to go for two teams outright. And I'll give you a spoiler alert. It's the Packers against the Niners. They should not win that game. And it's also the Texans to win uh, against the Ravens. They should not win that game. But you can't turn yourself away from these young quarterbacks. And this is what the NFL is all about. Every time a Tom Brady leaves or an Aaron Rodgers leaves, you think, oh, well, there goes an end of an era. It's like a Messi-Ronaldo sort of thing. You know, it's sad, isn't it, to see these players? Yep. But there's always an Erling Haaland or, you know, Garnacho, if you of will. Of course. Like early doors. There's always the next generation. Yeah, always. Yeah, I mean, so. they've grown up watching that and wanting to be that. And the pool of players gets bigger and bigger. The techniques yeah. get better. The standards at underage level get better. And, of course, you're going to create uh, better players. And on that point, um, I have to ask you, because I don't know if you've been across any of this during the week, but I, I want to get your opinion on it. There's a player that plays rugby called Lewis Rees-Zamet. He plays in Wales. Um, and with Gloucester he's a fantastic winger fast 22 years of age I think he's got 30 caps for Wales already at this stage but he's announced during the week that he's going on the IPP the International Player Pathway to NFL uh, and he's trying out over there and he's going for it and he's giving up rugby um, yep. what are your thoughts on that I mean I, to me I, I just find it like it'd take two years to get to learn the playbook never mind anything else how, how's, yeah. what are his chances of being successful it's a different beast, Reg, right? Now, this has happened a lot. There's actually a couple of Irish players as well that are doing it. And they go for punters and kickers and stuff, you know, stuff that yeah. Gaelic players are You can at. kind of understand is, that. You can kind of understand it. It's like yeah. kick a ball, nothing else. But to actually play... Yeah. Like, what position would a Lewis Reed Samet play? Would it, like, I, I, I'm not thinking... Was a wide receiver or would he be linebacker or what? He's a running back, typically, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where we've seen it before. Like, this has happened. The Buffalo Bills, I can't remember the name of the player now offhand, but there, there was the same, play, the same sort of thing. You know, I think he was English. He went over, played for the Bills. Wade, was he it? He did well. Yeah, and he did well initially, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, they break tackles and that's what they're good at. But the thing is, is that with American football, as much as we like to flag them off when they say we're the world champions, right? Mm. But when you think about it, these lads are elite, elite athletes. You would have a guy, Rich, who's, you know, twice as big as you and you're a very big man. Mm. And he would run, uh, he'd outrun me, you know. Yeah. Like, these guys are freakish athletes. So we look at them here and it's almost like, you know, they're a big fish in a little pond. But when they go over there, because you think about it, right? These lads are doing this their whole life and they come from areas where the only way for them to elevate themselves out of sometimes a really poor standard of living is to become this freakish athlete and to get their way out of those situations. Mm. So when you look at that, I mean, these guys have more to lose. And on top of that, only between 2 to 5% of all of the top-level athletes in college football, and these lads are breaking all kinds of records, make it into the NFL. And when they make it into the NFL, their shelf life sometimes is only between three and five years. Yeah. But that's what he's up against. He might struggle. I saw a a video during the week uh, being circulated around the place and I don't know who the athlete was but there was a guy and he just said throw the ball Uh, he's just in his backyard throw the ball a a bit higher to me there you know an NFL player and the the, the, the heading was this is what you'll be up against Lewis Rees-Zamet and this guy from a stand like literally standing in a standing position jumped five feet in the air and caught this ball I have never seen anything like it I actually think it must have been a fake video because (laughs) you know know, a cheetah could couldn't jump the height that this guy jumped. It was unbelievable. Anyway, look, let's have a look at the uh, playoff roundup. Uh, what games are happening? And um, give us it in terms of the uh, Aka. 
Yeah, look, I'm not playing the spreads with the accuracy. I'd be glad to know. It's also 18-1, to 1, so it's destined to lose. But here we go. Now, look, the Texans are coming up against the Ravens. Just spoke about the Texans, CJ Stroud. Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. They're the number one seeds, Reg. They've been uh, on their holly bops. You know, they've been sitting back resting. They've been on a bye. So you think that works out for them, right? But Lamar Jackson is 1-3 and three in the playoffs. And then you look at his defense. And if I was analyzing, I'd say, well, they've got one of the top defenses in the NFL. So CJ Stroud and the Texans might struggle. But then they had great defenses when they got dumped out before. CJ Stroud is a superstar. Uh, the Ravens should beat the Texans. They beat them in week one, but that was a lifetime ago now. The Ravens are better on paper, but the last time I checked, Red, we don't play football on a refill pad. Mm. So I'm going for the Texans to cause the massive upset here. Now, with that said, you know what happens there, Reg? The Ravens go up and drop 50 points on them. <laughs> I'm sort of yeah. saying, like, look, Texans are playing on house money. My Packers coming up against the Niners. Uh, nobody's given the Packers a shot. Uh, they've similar offenses. Uh, they go for the run game first. The Packers again are playing on house money. They dismantled Dallas, but they keep losing all the time against the Niners. Now we've a very young team. They don't remember those losses, but the Niners have so much firepower. Reds. They've Christian McCaffrey, and you know he's a running back, but he's also like a wide receiver. He can basically do anything. He can fix a car. He can probably do mechanics on the field at the same time. <laughs> but he's unstoppable. Mm. And look, the Packers' defense. Um, the best chance for the Packers to win is to keep their offense out there because if the defense are put out in the field, although they've improved allegedly, um, they'll get cut up by the Niners. But look, stranger things have happened. I'm picking the Packers this time because I'm sort of so cautious last week. Then we've the Bucks and the Lions. Troy's home field advantage. The Bucks have the momentum for whatever that's worth, Bridge. Uh, but look, the Lions have weight of like decades on their shoulders to try win, but their defense was shaky. Um, the Lions should win, but I'm going to just say, look, go for the Bucks. Uh, and then the Chiefs coming up against the Bills. The Chiefs beat the Bills all the times in the playoff. It's sure as taxes and the fact that it's going to rain in Ireland Reds. They did it in 2020. They beat them again in 2021. But this time it's in Buffalo. And the Chiefs have struggled this season as well. Their skilled players keep dropping the ball. So, again, the Bills should win this game, but it's Patrick Mahomes. So he's like a magician. So who knows? But, look, the ACA is very simple. 18-1. to 1. Two massive underdogs, the Texans versus the number one seed Ravens and the number seven seed Packers against the number one seed Niners. You should not place this bet, but if you do, you put a tenner down and you'll come out with 188 quid. Now it's time to turn our attention to rugby. Delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Will Slattery of the Irish Independent and, of course, the Left Wing Podcast. Good morning, Will. How are you? Good, thanks, Reggie. How are you? Great. Listening to you guys during the week on the left wing. Great chat, great show. Uh, brought up some interesting points. But I suppose the one that uh, you, you'll be discussing in more detail next week might be this one. Just um, the announcement of Joe Schmidt um, as the new Australian coach. Uh, an interesting choice, obviously a good choice in many people's minds. Uh, I do wonder a little bit how the Aussies will react to maybe Joe's regimented way, but I suppose they need something like that at this this stage. Oh, definitely. They've landed on their feet, considering where they were post-World Cup. Eddie Jones walking away from the job, leaving it in absolute chaos. You couldn't ask for a better replacement. It's a massive upgrade, in my opinion. We saw at the World Cup with New Zealand, he obviously wasn't the head coach, but I think everyone who watched them could see the influence Joe Schmidt had. He's still a top coach in world rugby. It, you know, It's going to be a major task to get Australia back to the top table, but I think maybe a little discipline, a little bit of regimented style you know, might be good for them in the short term. There is talent there. Is it a top squad in world rugby? No. 
Joe at the start of his Ireland career took what was a talented squad but not as talented as I'd say what Andy Farrell has now and, and really did coach up a lot of guys he he really improved the standard of a number of players and I think he can do that in Australia I think he starts off with two tests against Wales a good starting point like a Wales aren't you know a great team so maybe building some early momentum there ahead of um, the rugby championship and the Southern Hemisphere is in a little bit of flux like the All Blacks have a new coach Obviously, Jack Neenamber has left uh, the Springboks, so it's a, a lot of change there. So maybe there is an opportunity. Maybe he's coming in at a, a good time in some ways with that bit of flux. Um, yeah, and it obviously makes that Lions tour so much more exciting. It is a great appointment, and in terms of the Lions tour, crucial. Yeah, it's a funny one because, obviously, I was talking about how positive I think it is from a rugby perspective, but I noticed that he was asked a bit in the press conference about being from New Zealand, and obviously... That must be some sort of sticking point for some Australian journalists or potentially some Australian supporters because one thing the coach will have to do is kind of carve rugby union's position out in the sporting landscape. Apparently, it's just been plummeting over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Rugby League, Australian rules, cricket have all been vastly more popular at the moment. And we've even seen, you know, one of their key men from the World Cup, Mark Nakitawase, one of their starting outside backs, he's opted to swap to rugby league, like which is a major blow. So, not only do they need to retain the talent, ideally you'd like to maybe take a couple of rugby league guys if you can because when Australia were really motoring, you know, 20-odd years ago when they got to the World Cup and even with Cheka when they got to the final, like they had Israel Falao, they've always been able to kind of take a couple of these top rugby league guys and really kind of maximise their potential in rugby union. So that's something he'll need to have a look at as well because the easiest way to supplement your talent base is to look at the sport, which is quite similar operating in the same country and seeing all those good players and seeing if we can entice a couple to come over. No better man than Joe Schmidt to do that. Okay, let's move on to the Champions Cup. Uh, a busy, busy weekend uh, started last night with a performance which um, I kind of expected, to be honest with you. I knew Connacht would always bounce back, but um, maybe not quite as well as they did. Fantastic result against Bristol for them last night. Yeah, obviously Pat Lamb coming back to, to the west of Ireland. It was a Nice reunion for, for from a comic perspective. Yeah, so they were kind of playing for, not pride, like they were playing for a place in the Challenge Cup. Obviously, if Saracens lose at home today, Connor could go through, but you know, that looks pretty unlikely, I think, with the teams that have been picked in that fixture. So Connor will be into the Challenge Cup, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. Like, realistically, it, what, what's more beneficial to them? Going into the Challenge Cup and giving that a right crack or sneaking in as a last 16 team and getting... You know, destroyed in the in the last sixteen, which you know a few years ago they ended up playing Leinster and conceding fifty points in the last sixteen. For me, it's a much better. I, mean, I would say the same to Ulster almost today. Like they could beat Quinns away potentially, and maybe sneak in as a last sixteen as a four seed and play like Toulouse and lose by twenty five points, or they could go and give the Challenge Cup a right crack. Obviously, you don't want to go out and lose a game deliberately to get into the Challenge Cup, but I think in the long term, it would actually be more beneficial to their squad and their season rather than just like kind of hanging on with, with, with like, you know, for, with your fingernails for a, for a fourth spot. So for Connacht, it could potentially be a galvanizing moment for their season. You know, they, they obviously were disappointingly beaten by Leon last week without Boniaki and Finley Beelham, which was a bit of a bone of contention down there. Now they can look forward to some European rugby after Christmas and give that tournament a real crack.
Absolutely. Well, I listened to your podcast, the, the Left Wing, during the week, and Luke Fitzgerald wasn't at all happy with the performance of Ulster, and understandably so, I think it's fair to say, um, albeit against, uh, as I said to you last week, who I consider to be the best team in the tournament, uh, Toulouse, uh, who were rampant. And um, But Luke was having none of it. He wasn't given any excuses. But Ulster are away to uh, Harlequins. Again, I think this is going to be equally as tough a task because Harlequins want to uh, cement their place and you know they didn't put in a great performance at times either so you know they have it in them they have great performances in them and I think they'll see Ulster as an easy target Yeah well firstly I accept that you were definitely right and I was definitely wrong about that (laughs) Ulster Toulouse game last Saturday night I thought they might be able to put a bit of a fight but you were right like Toulouse looked absolutely irresistible and I agree with you for me they have looked the class of the tournament so far this game is a funny one for Ulster. Like it, it actually wouldn't surprise me if they came out, you know, backs against the wall. Like I, even, I even saw Ian Henderson, I think, talking about it in his press conference. It actually kind of annoyed me. He's like, "Oh, you know, we're very good with our backs against the wall," and I'm just like, "That's just a really kind of low level attitude to have." Like that's the attitude to have, like back in the day when Ireland would be able to produce one big performance, and then maybe when they needed to back it up, they couldn't. Like you're not going to make serious progress if that's your kind of mindset, and the, the captain is giving voice to that. I thought it was kind of a. I didn't like hearing that, but yeah, I agree. Like Harlequins, you know, I know it was only Cardiff, but what did they put like fifty points mm. on Cardiff Blues last week? I the- like when Marcus Smith is humming, they're really, really hard to stop. I do expect them to win today, and for Ulster, I don't think it's a bad thing if they end up in the Challenge Cup. As I said, they can win that tournament. It would bring some positivity after Christmas if they do somehow get a win against the odds today I think they will be eliminated in their first knockout game after Christmas which I don't think will bring them forward at all so I think maybe a close loss and a decent performance and some Challenge Cup rugby would actually ultimately be the most beneficial outcome Mm, Interesting We'll see how that unfolds. Uh, hard to think we're talking about Ulster in those uh, in those circumstances. Challenge Cup rugby would be the best outcome. But anyway, that's how it lies. Now, Leicester take on Leinster at 3.15 today. Um, Leicester were appalling last week. That's the only way I can describe it. I mean, they went to France and completely capitulated. And uh, I know they're going to bounce back this week. Don't get me wrong. We're looking at Leinster. Harry Byrne coming back. Ross still not right. Um, injury to Crawley or Frawley. His back uh, last week, um, I believe, was went into spasm. Um, that, was, that was the report I got on it. So it's not I, as I thought when he was going up that his knee or his ankle were gone. I think it was something more to do with his back. But, um, you know, I still fancy Leinster to go and get a result today. But Leicester need to put up a performance so it'll make it trickier for them. Yeah, I don't see Lancer losing this today. Again, once I saw the team sheet, it's mm. the strongest team they can put out, bar maybe Ross Byrne if he's fit, but the out half position is still in a little bit of flux. So it's it's locked and loaded pretty much across the board. Besides that, I just don't think Leicester can match up with that, especially Leicester don't have a huge amount of bench kind of options to come on and change the game. Leicester, on the contrary, have some very quality players that they can spring in the second half. But for, for me, I'm, I'm just looking for a performance from Leinster. I, I mentioned last week that I thought they could put 50 on Stade Francais, but it wouldn't happen on its own. And they ended up coming short of that target. Because, I, I, again, I thought they were sloppy in attack. Their chance conversion is not good enough. Like, if you look across the board last weekend, we had Toulouse, Rampant, La Rochelle, you mentioned against Leicester, and Bordeaux, what they did to Saracens. They're probably the four top teams in the tournament so far. Leinster were by far and away, I thought, off the pace of the other three in terms of turning your chances into tries, especially in the opening quarter or so. You know, sloppy penalties, sloppy knock-ons in opposition territory. 
like I understand the defensive side of it is a work in progress, a new you know system being instituted. But I'm a little at a loss why the attack, like the attack are still creating chances, but it's just the conversion. It's that sloppiness of the handling and just the efficiency in the red zone, which has been very disappointing to me. So that's the one area I'll be really focusing on today, if they can kind of take more of the chances they're creating. Because with Bordeaux away to the Bulls and Northampton away to Munster, there's a good chance Leinster will secure a top two seed overall, which would give them home pathway to the final. So... That'll only be good if they can kind of tidy up these areas. So it's a very important day, I think, for Leinster and obviously jockeying for position with some of the other teams. I haven't been overly impressed with them this season, despite their winning record is pretty strong. So I'm I'm looking to see them, you know, put in a really good performance today because this is their toughest test they've had since that La Rochelle game. Absolutely. Okay. Looking forward to that one. There's some great rugby on this weekend. There really is. Uh, none more so than Munster taking on Northampton in Thoman Park. I'll tip my hat to you on your calling of the Munster performance in Toulon. It was exactly what you said it would be uh, and a great result there. I'm back in Munster all the way on this one at home to Northampton. I know Northampton are topping that group at the moment and playing some great rugby, but they... English sides don't like going to Thomond Park. That's just the reality of the situation. Munster have played very well uh, going away and getting that result. Um, so I, I just fancy them to get the, the job done here in, in, in Thomond Park at home to Northampton. And I think they'll, I think they'll take care of them by seven to ten points. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like Northampton have had a really good season. They're a really exciting attacking team, and they're definitely better than they were in previous Champions Cup campaigns, where like their record against Irish teams in the last five, six, seven seasons has, has been really, really poor. I think it's a good matchup for Munster. Like of all the English teams that could come over and maybe do a job in Munster Town Park, I don't think Northampton have the kind of the physical profile to do that yeah. to Munster. Um, I think Munster will get a lot of change in, in attack. Like Northampton have been conceding a lot of points as well. Like, you know, they played a 42-36 game against Exeter like two or three weeks ago. I, I expect Munster to score points and score tries today. I think they'll get a bonus point win. And I think last week could be a really important you know moment in their season. They, it, it showed up that how the, much they missed those opportunities in the first two rounds because they could pretty easily be sitting here with 15 points out of 15 and targeting like a top seeding going into the knockout stages and with players to come back after Christmas that would have been a great position but they have to settle for probably an away game in the knockout stages but we've seen from last season their road record is really strong you know winning the URC they won in Toulon last weekend they won't fear going to like a second feed who might not be like you know one of the top teams in Europe and getting a result they're definitely capable of that so they just need to take care of business today because the momentum of last weekend will go pretty quickly if they get turned over at Town Park. But I don't see that happening. You know, they've got Ollie Yeager back again. Like every week, they seem to be able to bring back another guy off the injury list. So I just, if you look at that team sheet, it's really, really strong. And the guys were in form. Simon Zebo didn't get into the Ireland squad, but he played really well again last weekend. Jack Crowley overcoming some early mistakes to really kind of put his stamp on the game was very encouraging ahead of that game against France in two weeks. So yeah, I think things are looking positive all of a sudden and I think this will be a good win for Munster later tonight. Absolutely. A quick word, uh, Peter O'Mahony announced as the Irish captain. Um, a lot of talk about his contract situation as well. A good appointment as captain. I presume they'll get that contract thing sorted out. I presume so, yeah. Like it, it's a funny one given that Andy Farrell has picked him as captain and yet it seems the RFU don't want to offer him a central contract. It, it's kind of like a bit of a 
oxymoron almost mm. surely if you're good enough to be the captain you're good enough to be on a central contract but we'll see what gets worked out there yeah I think it's a good appointment by all accounts it's kind of like a short term appointment he's not setting out a stall and saying like Peter is the captain until the World Cup yeah. I think it makes sense as like a bridge captain this Six Nations campaign obviously the first game away to France new out half a few guys missing having Peter Armani's leadership and kind of that stable presence at least that his line-out acumen would be badly needed given how that area has struggled is massive. And it's a great moment for him too. He's one of the great warriors in Irish rugby. He's captained a lot of teams he's been a part of. It's great to see him get that nod. And I think it's a good kind of move for the short term. None of the other candidates were really that outstanding at this point in time. Hmm. It gives some of the other young players maybe a little more time to develop their own leadership skills like Caelan Doris or, or Ringrose or someone like that who might take over later on in the cycle. So, yeah, I think it's a good call for now. Dublin Sporting Communities. Funded by Comishoon the Man with the television licence fee on Sunshine 106.8. Yes, as I said, it's our uh, weekly piece where we look at a Dublin sport in club and the uh, effort that they've put into their community. And this week, it's delight- I'm delighted to welcome, uh, on behalf of Railway Union Sports Club, uh, the one and only Derek Collins. Good morning, Derek. How are you? Good morning. And welcome to Sandy Mount. Yeah, absolutely. I know it well. A fantastic part of the world, a fantastic club, down the laneway, and everything opens up when you get to the end of the laneway, and it's all in there for all to see. Uh, a club with loads of tradition and history. Yes, it's funny. When I was researching this for our discussion this morning, you know, club founded in 1904, uh, formerly known as the Railway and Steam Packet Athletic and Social Union. So what it was, Reggie, was it was a club that was formed for the tram workers. There was lots of trams back in those years. Uh, and then when the trams moved on to buses, uh, a member sports club evolved. So, you know, over 120 years, the club is still there. It's gone through lots of changes. But I'm delighted to say, um, you know, it's a multi-sports club seven sections and um, certainly in my time there the club is in its healthiest state ever That's great uh, because it is so difficult for clubs uh, financially and everything else um, to to survive and I have to say to survive not not only just with the finances um, Derek but also in your location I mean that piece of ground I'm sure there's been many a developer that's looked at it and thought how many millions it's worth it must be hard to resist uh, for the club the offers that must have come along the way well um, you know but like I've been in the club over 50 years and there's that great tradition so when you look at the greats that have played in Railway Union like Ginger O'Brien um, Joey O'Mara uh, some of the, the, the rugby players we, we, we've had one or two international tennis players, there's such a, an ethos and a tradition and it's very much a community club and, and I know that's one of your themes and I'll talk a little bit about that later but you know at the end of the day we want the club to prosper which it's doing and we're seeing a renaissance of people coming into this area, for example Reggie the glass bottle site is starting to be redeveloped that's and that right. will lead to several thousand new people in the area mm. so that to us is a natural alliance for us to provide sporting facilities to all the new arrivals in this area Absolutely yeah and and also um, from my time being involved in the club game I also remember how women's rugby was developed probably first of all in, in Railway Union it was one of the strong Men's rugby has been there for years as you know, Reggie, uh, but the ladies was developed, particularly led by a guy called John Cronin, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they set down the, the seeds, and, and they built from the ground up a very strong ladies team, 
um, built around sevens and then into fifteens. And you know, I'm very proud to say they won the, both the Energy All Ireland League and the All Ireland Cup, uh, led by such stalwarts as Lindsay Pete, who is mm-hmm. an evergreen and just never stops playing. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I know Lindsay, uh, and as you said, a stalwart. Uh, okay, so just uh, in terms of, to finish up, just in terms of the community, just give us a, a, an outline and an idea of the importance of it. Yeah, it's as I said, you know, with seven sections, so we have tennis, cricket, hockey, bowls, rugby, uh, soccer, uh, bridge. You know, that covers all aspects of the community, all ages. For example, in tennis, we run special needs for uh, coaching for the local schools. Uh, cricket, there's junior cricket that's run uh, bowls for those as, uh, as I said of a, a more senior years and um, so it covers all those as I said social aspects another little night thing we do we've had a number of Ukrainian families move into the area and we have reached out to them and offered them free membership of the club so they can integrate and feel part of our, our Sandy Mount Rail Union Sports Club Fantastic initiative, well done Derek um, Okay, uh, one thing uh, yep. I'd like to do uh, Reggie Katie Mullen is playing for Railway Union in the hockey. She's captain of, of Railway, but she's also playing for Ireland today. And we'd like to wish Katie and the Irish team every success to hopefully they'll qualify for the Olympics when they played in the United Kingdom this afternoon. Absolutely. And um, we wish them the very best as well. Well, Derek, uh, thank you very much for giving us such a great insight into your wonderful club, Railway Union, and many more years of success there uh, to be enjoyed by everybody in the community. Take care. Thank you, Reggie. Thanks thank you. very much. That's uh, Derek Collins there of Railway Union. Dublin Sporting Communities, funded by Commission the Man, with the television license fee on Sunshine 106.8. Morning, Reggie, how are you? Not so bad, not so bad. Uh, yeah, enjoying a very busy show, which is wonderful, and also a busy weekend of sport, there's no question about it. And I see um, the double, you're going to talk to me about the double fall footballers, should I say, in the O'Byrne Cup against Longford. Yeah, they, they, they've qualified for the final end this afternoon at 3 o'clock in, in Port Leash. Um, struggled the first day, Reggie, um, against Daffley, but eventually got themselves ahead and uh, had a comprehensive win the, the, the last day against Wexford in, in Parnell Park. I suppose Desi, on the back of winning the All-Ireland football final, is just trying the O'Byrne Cup to find a couple of players, which brings me on nicely to, we've had a couple of stalwarts have, have packed it in, Davy Bourne as you know, has taken the year out and we'll see Davy without a doubt in a Dublin jersey again. But Brian Braskell has stood down. But the talk of the day, you know, and all week is Dean Rock has decided to uh, announce his retirement, which, you know, probably a little bit expected, but, you know, he, he gave a fantastic career to Dublin. I remember when he came on the scene, first he was Barney Rock's son, but I, I think it's gone the full circle now that Barney Rock is his father. He He's eight all Ireland <laughs> medals and He's 12 Leinster Championships and, and I think five or six National Leagues. So just to say thanks to them all um, for, for, for the great contribution that they, they made to Dublin football. Uh, the game against Longford today, Longford beat uh, Mead in the, the, the semi-final 2-14, 1-14. So it'll be, it'll be a good workout for Dublin and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I second that for Dean Rock. Uh, what a career. Um, incredible achievement and a fantastic player and an all-around good fella as well, to be, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Which which always helps. Um, I suppose they're still waiting on news on Stephen Cluxton and James McCarthy as well. Yeah, I suppose, and you know they say no news is good news, Reggie. But yeah. uh, you know they'll be two key fellas. I mean, 
James McCarthy, Stephen Cluxton, Paul Mannion coming back last year. I, I genuinely don't think they'd have bet Kerry in the final without them. So, you know, people, real dub supporters in relation to the football and the hurling, you know, are all saying, well, please God, we won't have any announcement. If it's any, you know, for the two of them, they don't have to go till the end of September anymore. It's the middle of July, so it's not too far away. Mm, absolutely. OK, uh, let's move on to hurling now. So um, the hurlers beating both Westmead and Antrim, of course, to reach the Walsh Cup semi-final against Galway. Yeah, and Michal Donoghue, it's his second year, as you know, Reggie, in, in charge. Uh, he'd be very happy with the two performances. They they, they, they did win well, and, and they, in the third period in both games, they really, you know, gone, went miles ahead. Um, a step up today, playing Henry Shefflin's uh, Galway in, 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 in Parnell Park. That's at one o'clock, Reggie. Uh, the only thing I'd say, he, he's playing, trying out new players, but, but you know, looked at the, the, the team there. Danny Sutcliffe is back for this afternoon. So too is Dara Gray, who, who was man of the match. Owner Donald played the last day. Interesting enough, he's played, picked at, at wing back. And and uh, Paddy Smith and and Conor Burke are back at three and six. So, uh, you know, it's a stronger team. He he'll be building for the national league, and and that'll start shortly. But, uh, you know, it's a second year, and and I suppose everybody's looking for a little bit of progress on top of last year. Mm, very good. And is what's the state of play with the squads? I mean, is there is there good depth coming through again with the with the hurling squads? There would be, but you know, we've had a, a few defections again this year. Keen mm. Boland and a few more lads. Um, you know, Chris O'Leary of Lucan have, have taken a break. So you know, the previous year before that, there was Keno Callahan and 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 you know, a few more uh, took a break. So, but there is loads of young lads there. That the, the under twenty squad is just being picked. It's there's thirty eight involved, and that's you know, and they're very very strong across three or four years. Look, it's going to take time. We say that all the time, but look, you know, the, the Gras in Dublin is obviously to the football, but there's an awful lot of young guys taking this really serious and it, it will come. But, it, it, you know, the under 20 now would be nice to see us have a good run at that, a good National League, and hopefully this year we might even get to the playoffs of the National League. Absolutely. OK, let's move on to the ladies now. The uh, National Football League game for them against Kerry, of course, a repeat of the All-Ireland final. Should be a cracker? Should be. Um, at Parnell Park, 5.15 uh, this evening. Parnell will be fairly busy. Uh, people forget that that, that All Ireland final Dublin did win at eighteen points to one ten. Kerry got a late goal, but people forget that going into that final that that Kerry had beaten uh, our ladies in 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 Parnell Park in the round robin, and they also won the national league. So Kerry were very 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 strong. Um, I see their team that they've only five of the team that played the All Ireland final, but they still, you know, Neve Carmody, Anna Anna Galvin from from Ratmore, Ashley O'Connell, they're all all picked to play. So. They'll be strong enough, Kerry will. But on the Dublin side, I mean, I, I just think we'll probably be a little bit too strong. Um, uh, Mick Bohan is starting eight of the team that won the All-Ireland. Um, one that is missing is, is Hannah Tyrrell, which is a, a big loss to Dublin, so whatever the reason there. But but we can still call on Leah Caffrey, uh, Lauren McGee, Orlan Nolan, uh, Marta Bourne. A special mention there for Hannah Hegarty. I, I mentioned her in lots of uh, reviews last year, Reggie. Mm-hmm. She was on the Camogie team, but she's transferred. So just to say t- thanks for her contribution to the Camogie and the best of luck with, with the football. One little mention, that Dublin will be short, uh, Jennifer Dunn today and Jennifer over the last six months won the All-Ireland with Dublin and a special mentor went on then and played with the, the Brisbane Lions and, and, and won the, the, the AFL mm. down there which is some achievement, some achievement uh, yeah. fantastic uh, family the Duns come from Coola so I know her mother Derek and Orla will be absolutely delighted with her but she'll be a big loss to Dublin but uh, Dublin also have Carla Rowe appointed as captain again for the year and she's in reserve today so I just think Dublin might just get across the line and all of that 
Excellent stuff. We look forward to seeing how they get on. Okay, it's a big weekend. Two All Ireland Club finals uh, on this weekend as O'Loughlin's take on St Thomas's and St Bridget's are against the Glen. So it's going to be a, a hell of a weekend. Yeah, and I know my my own under 14s and volunteer. They're all going into to, to see it uh, tomorrow. The both games. I suppose if you take the hurling force, Reggie uh, Thomas's, they've won six Galway championships in a row, which is is no mean feat. Um, they, they 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 beat Torlockmore in the Galway final a couple of points, but Conor Cooney is probably the, the main man there. They they also have uh, Aina Burke and 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 Dara Burke. There's actually five brothers Burks on 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 the squad. Uh, I suppose what's really going in their favour, Reggie, is everybody's favourites to to win the All Ireland Club. Where Bally Gunner and you and me covered that a couple mm-hmm. of months ago, but Thomas's just wouldn't give in to them in the semi final. They hung in and got a draw in normal time. They hung in and got a draw in extra time and they actually beat them on penalties. So, you know, they'll probably go in slight favourites to this, but I have a different view on it, Reggie. I, I, I just think O'Loughlin Gales bet Bally Hale by a point in the Kilkenny final, which is no mm. e- easy thing to do. Went into the Leinster final, beat Nafina by a point when they conceded a goal with seven or eight minutes to go. They still came back and won it. They went out against um, Rory Oaks, Cushendall in, in, in Antrim. Uh, you know, you'd expect them to win that easy. Found themselves six or seven points behind, but still came back and won that by a point, Reggie. So mm. there's something there with them. They have a fantastic back line, as we know, Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan, Mikey Butler, all stars. You know, um, you know they've Mark Bergen up front. Oh, Lachlan Gales would be very, very hard beaten. As will Thomas. As I'm expecting that to be a cracker. Thomas has won this once before, in 2013. Uh, and and um, O'Loughlin's haven't won it yet. They were beaten in the final by, by, by Claren Bridge back in 2011. But I just think that Brian Hogan, being manager, and having played at centre-back as a position when you're playing, you can see the whole field. So mm-hmm. as a manager, he'll be used to looking up, down the field and across the field. I, I just think that O'Loughlin Gales will get across the line there. It sounds like an absolute cracker of a match with, with very little between the two teams from the way you're talking. Yeah, and, and, and it, it will be close. It will be tight. Um you know, if you were to look at both um, teams, that their their backs are definitely stronger on both sides. Um, Galway just might have a little few extra forwards that you know that that the O'Loughlin Gales don't have. But but I I still think that remember the Kilkenny backline. Like there's there's three from the county Kilkenny team playing in the one backline um, for, for O'Loughlin Gales, and also Paddy Deegan in the Leinster final. Uh, Reggie he came up the field and got four points from play, like mm-hmm. in Crow Park. So he's no, kind of a, he, he's he's kind of an extra forward, even though he is playing centre back. And and can he dominate and dictate a game from number six? Absolutely. Let's see what happens. Looking forward to that one. Okay, in the football, St. Bridget's versus the Glen. Which way do you see that one going? Well, I suppose I, I, I sided with Glen the last day where people thought I was mad because they, they all said Kilmacud would win it. I got the other one wrong. Um, but but Glen, I suppose, to me, they're, they're on a mission and I, I think Bridget's are on a voyage and a journey and there's a, a small difference, as you'll know yourself. Mm. Uh, if you take Glen, they lost the All-Ireland final last year. They, they, they um, went back and had to start again and win the... The, the Derry Championship and they, they, they bet Mahara Felt won 13 to 7 points came out then and played through Ulster which isn't easy but got as far as the Ulster final uh, played Scotstown I watched that game Reggie they were second best for 54-55 minutes but they found a way to win and won 13-11 in the end and the big prize then they had was to meet their old foes Kilmacud Croaks in, 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 in a, an All-Ireland semi-final you might recall that was played in Fog. 
mm. up in Armagh probably should never have been played so but you certainly th- couldn't see it on the television th- that's for sure and, and I, I wasn't at the game but I'm told if you were at one end of the field you certainly had no idea what was going on at the other end of the field but they were by far the better team uh, on the day now you know they nearly slipped up and, and gave conceded a late goal to Kilmacud and Shane Walsh from Croaks had a kick at the post very near the end, had it gone over, it would have been into extra time. But you'd have to say Glenn have improved a little bit on last year, beating Kilmacud Croaks, who were still one of the top three or four teams in in, in the country at club level. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the better team. Uh, on the other side, Bridget's, I said they're on a mission. They won the Roscommon Championship to beat Boyle by a point in the county final. They went on, probably were nobody's favourites to win the Connacht Championship against Curra Finn actually put Currafin to the sword and, and beat them. Uh, you know, you'd have to say Currafin aren't as good as they used to be five or six, seven years ago. Gary Sice is still playing with them. But but realistically, uh, they went from there then and for the prize of winning the Connacht Championship, they ha- are, are, had to go down and play the, the, the Cahillans and the Hurleys from Ca- Ca- um, Castlehaven, which wasn't easy. Mm. But they stood toe-to-toe with them. They went... Um, as best that they possibly could. They have some great players, Bridges, Ronan Stack and Paul McGrath having experience. But they have this Ben O'Carroll number, Torty and Reggie. He has a left foot as sweet as I've ever seen. Uh, you know, if 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 um, Glenn are going to win this, they're going to have to have a plan. And one thing I've looked back through the stats last night, that Bridgets are they certainly like getting goals and goals in football. Reggie is a, is a, a tough thing to do. Is a huge thing to do, yeah. and they do say on seventy two percent of the time, when you get a goal, you get the next point as well. So yeah. you could argue. You know, a goal is nearly worth three and a half points to your three and three quarter points, but yeah. that doesn't always stack up. But I think there'll be two absolute crackers. I do believe Glenn will, will, will certainly just shade it in the football, and I'm going to go for, for, for the Kilkenny crowd or Lachlan Gales just to shade it in, in, in the hurling. Hi, Alan, how are you? I'm good, Reggie. Yourself? Ah, fantastic. Another great weekend of sport, as always. Looking forward to that. But plenty happening during the, during the week and a few announcements as well. And um, good announcements, positive announcements from the League of Ireland point of view. Mark Scanlon, um, the League of Ireland director, accepting that maybe the grounds aren't fit for live TV broadcasting, a lot of them, but that there is going to be an increase in the amount of broadcast. So that can only be good for the game. Yeah, absolutely, Reggie. Um I think, obviously, with the RTE coverage, I think it's 22 games that we show normally. Mm. Uh, and now Virgin have come on board, and they started, uh, I think it was last year, showing five or six games. Um, and now, I think they ramped it up then to seven in total, but they've doubled up now, so they're going to show 14 games, which they announced during the week. So between ourselves and Virgin, I think that's only a good thing, Reggie, because more exposure to the game, more live games on telly, it becomes nearly a regular occurrence that we feel that there's games on telly as well. Um, and as you say, it can only be a good thing because the amount of exposure it gets, anyway, in terms of the newspapers and stuff, I think it's very, very good. So, well being ramped up, I think that can only be a positive. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And there seems to be plenty of activity going on in the League of Ireland as well. Lots of transfer news. I see Dundalk uh, bringing in Walker, McAniff joining Rovers. Um, there's, a, there's a good bit happening. Yeah, there is, Reggie, but I think the big one yesterday, and it was almost a game-changer for me, was the announcement of Vara McAniff coming back to Shamrock Rovers mm. because they're so strong as it is. Jack Byrne will be back this season as well, and Jack obviously missed a lot of last season. Um, they've signed Dara Burns back from the UK. People will remember him from his time at St. Pat's. He was lighting up the league and got his move away. Things haven't worked out for him in England, but the fact that he's coming back as well, um, it just goes to show, I suppose, just... I, the, the resources that Shamrock Rovers have because they have a serious squad as it is and then to go on top up 
with the likes of Burns and the likes of McAniff coming back as well. And when I look at the business being done by the other clubs, I just don't think it's as good as what Shamrock Rovers are doing when you consider what Shamrock Rovers already have in place and then to go to sign sign the likes of a Burns and a McAniff. I just think they'll be very, very difficult to reel in again this season. Are they? Um, is there a danger that they're running away from the other clubs and that they, there'll be this big uh, gulf between, you know, the class at, uh, with Rovers and everybody else? Yeah, there's always that fear, I suppose, with smaller leagues because we've seen it happen in different places, like the Ro- Rosenberg and people look to Scotland with the likes of Celtic and Rangers, obviously dominating everything, and nobody wants to see that. But that is always the fear. Uh, but to be fair to Shamrock Rovers, everything they've done, they've built on merit themselves and. Uh, they've put themselves in a position where they can have, obviously, good resources to attract good players and, and top players and, and strengthen their squad. It's just that up to the other clubs to try and catch up with them. And I think with the influx of European money for clubs as well, that would certainly bridge the gap for a lot of clubs. And I think it's so important now for clubs to try and get into Europe everywhere. The likes of the Bohemians, the likes of the same path that are chasing them down. Shelburne obviously got themselves in there as well this season. So I think that would certainly help the finances from European football but I still think it's a big bridge to try and get over because you look at as I said the quality they already have Shamrock Rovers and when I just look at the business that the other clubs have done I just don't think it's as good as what Shamrock Rovers have done um, Keating a sign for Pats I think he'd be a good signing but again is it enough to get them over the line uh, and overtake a Shamrock Rovers Hoban a sign for Derry that was their Achilles heel last year and obviously not scoring enough goals and they were crying out for a centre forward that would get them 15, 20 goals I still think Holman is the best in the league mm-hmm. centre forward and he's a big signing for Derry so I think he will make a difference alright but will it be enough to get them over as I say with the quality that Shamrock Rovers have I'm just not sure yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving across the water now. Um, it's kind of been a bit of a disrupted Premier League uh, period of time. Um, but I suppose if we look at Arsenal taking on Crystal Palace today uh, at lunchtime, we just have to win that. You know, there's no yeah. there's no excuses around it any other way. We just have to win that. Yeah, it's so important to get back on the horse now, Reggie. And I think the break might have come at a good time for them because you look at them. It was more than a blip, really. It was a real concern or form, obviously. Uh, just before Christmas and after Christmas and I think they picked up only four points out of 15 and that won't cut it if you're trying to overtake a Man City we look at the form that they've come back in from the Club World Cup and De Bruyne are now back as well and the quality that they have so Arsenal just to hang on their coattails nearly just need to go on a run themselves so I think the the break came at a good time for them just to reset I think they had some warm weather training um, and now they're back obviously in action this morning at half 12 and as you said just half the win try and get themselves back into some sort of form, some sort of rhythm, because this is the business end now that we're getting into. And hopefully they can, Reggie. I, I was a big fan of what Arteta did last year. I tipped them to win the league this year. I know they've gone through a really bad run, as I've mentioned. But I still wouldn't rule them out just yet. But, but, but they have to come up with a serious second half of the season just to try and hang on the coattails, first of all, and put themselves in a position where they can challenge Man City. And who knows after that? Absolutely. Okay, uh, we're looking at Nottingham Forest then in the evening game, going to a woefully poor uh, Brentford at the moment. Um, what way do you see that one going? Yeah, it's a tricky one to call. Brentford are obviously on a, a major downward slide, and, and Thomas Frank has done such a brilliant job since he's come in. But I think the addition of Tony back into the squad and him coming back, and it was good management during the week from Thomas Frank saying that he'll be the captain and he'll lead them out, so there'll be a big reception for him and. I think Tony's been a great player for them since he's been there. And I also think he respects and appreciates the support that Thomas Frank has given him during this period where he's been banned. 
So I think uh, that could give them a huge lift. I watched Forest during the week. Now they've have they've got a real bounce since Nuno has come in and uh, they picked up a couple of good results. And I watched them in the cup during the week against Blackpool and they were two up and cruising. And then all of a sudden to find themselves two all and it's a bit of a battle and a fight. But they came through at Reggie and, and they have, as I said, got a bit of a bounce since the new manager has come in. So it's a tough one to call. Um, but I think just from the point of view of Tony being back and and the lift that that will give them in the squad, I think I think that could just edge it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a bit of sad news during the week there about um, Sven Jorn Eriksson, of course, uh, being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I saw a piece where he was said he'd always loved to have managed Liverpool. And Klopp seems to have opened the door for him to come in and give him a chance to do that for a day. A nice gesture. Yeah, well, Klopp is, plays the media so well and yeah. PR stuff. He's very, very good, obviously. And, and I think, to be fair to him, it's not just... PR spin with things like this yeah. I think he's very genuine and sincere as well with some of the gestures I, I watched a video actually you may have seen it on social media over the Christmas of the young kid from Monaghan that they brought over and Klopp spent so much time with him and bringing him around the train that's right I watched it yeah. to the players it, yeah. was, it was lovely and it was real genuine and sincere and that's what they should be doing as well Reggie if you're in a privileged position like they're in and you're capable of giving back to fans or opportunities to put smiles on faces I think they should grasp every opportunity to have. I know it's a difficult job. I know they're under pressure. I know it's time-consuming. But you have to make time for, for individuals like that. And as I say, even though Sengor Erickson is a, a public figure himself and a high-profile one, I still think it's a nice gesture from Klopp. Absolutely, yeah. I see um, in other news as well, Jordan Henderson uh, hasn't settled in Saudi and now he seems to be kind of um, begging forgiveness for that move uh, before he heads off to Ajax. Yeah, I've lost so much respect for Henderson, Reggie. I, I used to really admire him as a player because he always looked like one of those that he always fought for everything that he had. He wasn't naturally gifted. He had to fight to get into the position that he was. Then he earned himself a, a move to Liverpool. Things weren't working out in the early days at Liverpool and he had to prove people wrong. He did that as well. Then he eventually became the captain of Liverpool, uh, which is an unbelievable achievement. Wins the league with Liverpool when they hadn't won it in so long. Wins the Champions League. And, and it was almost the career of always having to prove people wrong. And I, I just thought he was a really good character. Lots of substance to him as a man, as a person. And then he went and just took the money out in Saudi Arabia and come out with the nonsense that he was coming out with about trying to build uh, the project and the long-term vision for Saudi Arabian football and all this nonsense that we know was just untrue and trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. And it's the same with the golfers. John Ram is the same. Yeah. The idiotic comments he came out with a few weeks ago as well after a year ago saying how he'd never, he'd never go down that route and he loves the PGA. And I, lo- I just love that if, if these things are going to happen, and we've obviously seen it with the uh, snooker during the week as well, Reggie, yeah. people are going to go to Saudi Arabia and it's become a thing. Just come out and say it's for the money. Yeah. I just I don't understand the nonsense that they're coming out because they lose credibility. Uh, the damage to the reputation, and I think Henderson has damaged his reputation massively. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken, and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>